0: What's up, everybody? Coming to you straight out of the DBT sound room, we're bringing you another episode of the Music Podcast
1: Deluxe. That's right. Muck and Dre are back, baby. And we're ready to blow your mind. Woo! In Season 2, we're going to keep doing what we do best, and that's talking about concerts, records, experiences, and everything in between. Make sure you stay up to date by hitting subscribe, because we're going to have some kick-ass guests coming your way. So stay a while and make some time for music. Oh, man. Whiskey and beer tonight.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you got to keep it fresh. Keep it interesting.
1: Ah, uh, that is a stiff drink. Shouldn't drink on radio. We're, we're our own hosts. We are we, we are the bosses of this. We can say what passes and what does not pass. So we're having a stiff drink. We're having a stiff drink while we record episode 18 of the Music Podcast Deluxe. This one's a little bit nostalgic. It is It is more than a little bit nostalgic. It's very nostalgic. What are we going to call this episode? What's the title? I think just cassettes. We're just going to call it episode 18, Cassettes. Yeah. I mean, I think...
0: uh, That's fair. The title Cassettes is going to be a pretty good indication of uh, the 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 the, the the content to come. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. So... If we're talking cassettes, we're going to be rewinding <laughs> What right to the beginning of, like, our real formation of our musical tastes and, like, how we got started consuming music. Because these are some of the—I well, don't know about you, but these are some of the first albums I've actually owned that were mine and not my parents.
0: Agree with you 100%. Right? Those were on cassettes yeah, I,
1: before CDs. Now— I didn't have a huge collection, but I
0: definitely had my little case with you know a couple cassettes stacked up in it. Yeah, yeah. I and think I, I had maybe twenty. Throw it in my backpack, go to elementary sure. school with it, and uh, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe I had four or five cassettes that I owned to my name.
1: Oh, uh, Dude, you must have looked adorable. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> a little muck. Cassettes had their ups and downs, you know. I uh, in researching for for this podcast, I looked a little bit into the history was developed in the 60s, really became popular in the 70s and 80s, and then was kind of phased out after CDs came. But it it took a while eh, before it got phased out. Yeah, I
0: mean, look, I I had a Walkman for God knows how long. It was one of the first ways that uh, I was able to consume music on the go because it was pretty much a Walkman plus
1: uh, tuner, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Even after the Discman came out, I remember a lot of people still stayed faithful to the cassette because do you remember how... How skippy and how, like, unreliable Discmen were?
0: I think it took, like, three generations of, of Discmans before I was able to actually put it in my bag and not have to worry about it skipping till the shockwave yeah that's right and then even those things broke so yeah the clips on the side probably. always after worked, uh... you put about a thousand CDs through it the, the thing was
1: finished yeah 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 it was it, it had a, a shelf life the cassette was always like stronger
0: well I mean I think I still have my original cassette player and it probably still works um, I'm more concerned about the tapes the tapes themselves yeah, yeah so I mean this whole episode kind of uh, came to light what about your ago when we went up north and uh, created kind of like a mixtape off Dubin. Yeah,
1: the DBTH uh, mixtape, Volume 1. Yeah, do so, a volume 2 eventually, eh?
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. It's not a problem. I mean, we have so many old tapes lying around that uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll... Uh,
1: it'll materialize eventually.
0: Yeah, so when we had recorded the episode, or when we had uh, recorded the mixtape, we thought that you know it would be a really good idea to uh, do an episode on cassettes and just kind of revisit it down the line. And I think now we finally had some time to, to go through the first season and work out the kinks. And I think we're there to and ready to talk about
1: our uh, our little
0: yeah, cassette experience. No,
1: that that that's it. We're we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the cassettes that we had while we were up north. But in in checking out the music and in like looking into my cassettes and seeing what I was into, it brought back all kinds of memories of actually. Uh, Like, fucking around with blank cassettes. Do you remember YTV had a show called The Hit List? It was hosted by Tarzan Dan. Top 30 countdown every week. It was an hour long. They would play the music videos and all that. I remember sitting by the TV with, uh, you know, one of those toy cassette recorders with the little microphone and mm-hmm, the wire mm-hmm. that was attached to the cassette player you could take it to a tape. and I would tape it there was this was early piracy man Yeah well I <laughs> mean the same thing goes with the radio right
0: when when the uh the tape players started coming with play record buttons you could just record right off the radio so I had shit like uh Wild Wild West and Yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah you know early stuff that I I didn't
1: actually own the tape but I would just rip it right off the radio No it was funny at one point I think I was listening everything that I was listening to Had like an announcer's voice before it. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) announcing the song. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. I'd be ready. I'd be there, maybe even be a little bit of the end of the ad because I really didn't want to miss the song and I had to walk away from the tape player. I wanted to make sure I got it. The days before Napster, man. The days before the internet.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy.
1: We're talking like. 1994, 1995 I was like nine, ten years old when I started collecting. That's
0: it. I was right in my elementary school days, maybe the end of elementary school, when when I really started my collection. And we're talking like early shit, right? Beach boys, tape, some movie
1: soundtracks. Like yeah. I look back at this stuff and I was like, wow, I have this on tape. Okay, so look. Talked a little bit about the history, what cassettes mean to us. I think we should maybe go into a little bit of depth and talk about the actual artists that we were listening to back then. We'll be right back after this. Okay, we're talking about what artists we should elaborate on this these are the kinds of things you deal with when you have a podcast people
0: look what did you have when you were uh, when you were younger what do you what sticks out
1: look metallica black album I had a couple tlc albums i was into like some RB, but mostly like rock alt rock gin blossom spin doctors i have to admit not my own tape but something i heard a lot was the spice girls really uh, i had a sister man Yeah, 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 growing up, the Spice Girls, the first album, Spice, and then Spice World, and then that fucking movie that I must have seen, like, a million times.
0: I just remember in elementary school, everyone was uh, outside in the playground, all, like, the boys were playing sports and, like, whipped the ball at each other or whatever the fuck we do in elementary school, and the girls were dancing the Spice Girls stuff, choreography, in the playground.
1: I saw a lot of that, too. All their fucking songs, all their music videos, they had dance moves kind of incorporated. That's it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So look like I had Ace of Bass, I remember that tape quite uh quite well. Yeah actually. Um a whole bunch of soundtracks. I had Beach Boys was probably one of my first tapes. Uh Dangerous Mind stuck out because that was also one of my first tapes that I physically went out to the store and bought and i just remember the experience of going to this old ass like i guess it was hmv at the time maybe it wasn't even hmv
1: but it had like a piss poor selection but it had all the new stuff so i just i find it funny like just looking even me too before when i was very young i liked new kids on the block how how did they market these bands to kids like I guess it had to do with like the music videos and like all that on TV we were getting. It's just funny because we liked some pretty wussy music. When well, you said
0: when it, we were really young. You said it best, right? When we pretty much watched the same stuff. We watch uh, much music, yeah. music, music plus YTV, uh, YTV, and YTV had all this pop stuff for kids uh, or for kids. I'm doing some some air quotes yeah. here, but uh, that's that's how we we listen to the same stuff.
1: Well, I mean, th- this is a perfect segue into where I wanted to go. Because there was that kind of more superficial, yes, I had the cassettes, and yes, I probably listened to it a million times. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you just play the song that you want to hear over and over and over until you're sick of it, basically. Like, that's how I listened to music back when I was nine, eight, you know, young. Did
0: did you ever get so good at reading the tape that you could catch it on the lines? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'd be able to, like... I knew how much time it took to like fast forward through a song. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I knew. Well, so Flip some of the tape, go to the beginning, and if you needed to get to the second song, I can get you there. Some of the Walkmans
0: had the, the marks on the, the glass window to so right. tell you which part of the tape you were
1: in. Anyways. Those are fancy technologies yeah. that I did not have. Actually, I had a Walkman, but I didn't have a Dismantle much later. Much, much later. Anyway, so you have those bands that. Like New Kids on the Block, the Ace of Base, uh, th- th- this kind of like pop acts that reel you in and get you to buy the album. But then I was able to move on to like more of a real musical fascination, and like I really got into Bon Jovi and Aerosmith, and like specifically Bon Jovi, especially. Like I I remember in grade five and six. I started really liking the band and I, I would I would buy magazines where there was articles in there and read up on the band and read the lyrics and I got in deeper than normal, deeper than before. Mm-hmm. I knew every band member's name. I bought their live in London VHS, which I watched probably like two hundred times. Freaking amazing show! I was just watching some of the clips uh, on YouTube today. Uh-huh. I'll show you later. Okay, really, really, really good band. Like even still today.
0: Well, I, I remember specifically talking about a live set for VHS. Um, Michael Jackson uh, was it Moonwalker. Oh
1: man, Dude, did I, I must watched watch that. that tape so many times. But that wasn't live. That was no, like... There was wasn't. like a, a storyline. Yeah, yes. yeah. There was a loose storyline. It was kind of yes. like a musical uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah, no, I saw that a lot too. Yeah. I used to rent that all the time at my video store. That
0: and Top Gear or Top Gun. Top Sorry. Gun. Top yeah. Gun, for
1: sure. Oh, dude, video stores. Anyway, we're getting off track. Along with Bon Jovi and like... Me being fascinated with the band and that... There was a, a time where I was younger. I would pick up all kinds of like greatest hits album. And in 94, Bon Jovi released crossroad which was a 12 track greatest hits but two of the tracks were new tracks okay it was always and uh someday i'll be saturday night those those were both like hits but along with that i kind of got a taste for the the band and i was just really listening to that nonstop. my mom even took me and my cousin pavlo to the show in 1995 I actually I went and I found out the date August 3rd 1995 at the old Montreal Forum. Oh wow. Yeah, little 10-year-old me running around going to a fucking concert with my mom and my cousin. It it meant so much to me at that time. It gave me like it really made me feel confident. I felt cool to go to the show with my older cousin, see like a real rock band, full production and like say what you want about Bon Jovi, like the song's get a little formulaic and they're soft. You know, Like there's a lot of ballads and it, it's a little mainstream, but it, it's still like you see yeah, like still... Richie Sambora killing it on a guitar solo as a kid. It was like,
0: and, it was really special. And this was like prime time Bon Jovi here. We're not talking about Bon Jovi 20 years later. No, like no, no. We...
1: This is like the best of Bon Jovi. Yeah. 1992, he released Keep the Faith, which was like the last of personally the good albums. Then 94, Crossroads. And 95... They released These Days, which was, I think, probably the last uh yeah, that was the last time I saw that was the tour that okay. I saw. It was the These Days tour in ninety-five. Anyway, good times, man. And along with that greatest hits album, there was also the Aerosmith Greatest Hits album. It was called Big Ones. Same time? Yep. Actually, it was the same year as the Crossroads album, oddly enough. However, I mean Aerosmith is a uh, their, their, their classic rock band they started way before bon jovi mm-hmm. did so this was actually their second greatest hits album and it had uh 12 songs on it from like the the middle of their career oh wow yeah three albums pump uh permanent vacation and get a grip those three albums they produced a lot of hits so they decided after that to release a greatest hits album look now i look back on that i'm like wow, wow what a commercial move like what a it was like a business move. You know what I mean? Because the middle of their career was not regarded very well by critics. Because, I mean, you're comparing it to early Aerosmith. You're talking Dream On and yeah, Sweet of course, Emotions of course. and Walk This Way and, like, all it's these... It's tough to compete with that. Yeah. So, and in this in big ones, they focused more on, like, uh, Living on the Edge, Amazing, Crying. Like, there was all these, like, really pop ballads, mm-hmm. which... Was very similar to Bon Jovi. So, I mean, it made sense that I was a fan of this. And, again, in 97, my mom took me to the Aerosmith show, the Nine Lives tour this time. Cool. Yeah. So, I got to see Aerosmith when they were, you know, much younger and much, you know, they looked less like skeletons on stage. (laughs) You know? They were in but, their prime. They were yeah, yeah, the, good to go.
0: It's the, the show you want to see. The it's, cocaine
1: didn't eat eat at them yet, you know? It's You
0: know what it is? It's the Rage Against the Machine that we should have saw. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when, it. When they
1: were at their that's peak. That's it. Because, I mean, I saw Aerosmith later when they came to Laval at Santa Ana sure Yeah, but it, come on. Nah, they're old it, men now, nah, man. But,
0: but it, I mean, it, it's on par with saying, like, we we saw the Stones, right? Last year? Or two years ago now. Yeah, but Last there's,
1: something about, there's something about the Stones that, like... I mean, yeah, they're seven years old or whatever, but... Didn't have the same feel. Like, I didn't feel like we're seeing a band that's done, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Aerosmith felt like I was seeing a band that was done. Like, yawn, like Yeah. Oh,
0: okay, this was Aerosmith. Great. Thanks for like coming Like, I
1: like, honestly, I liked Dream On. Out of their whole set list, yeah, that was the one song that stood out. The rest was very mediocre. Anyway, what's, getting off track.
0: What's pretty interesting is we had a completely different start mm. of our, like, musical introductions. Mm. I had very little music and a lot of what I did have was influenced directly by my friends and my schoolmates. Right. So stuff like Ace of Base was directly related to um, probably one of my friends liking it. And I think that the most notable tape I had was Linus Morissette, Jagged Little
1: Pill. Oh, I love that album, man.
0: And that came out pretty much right at the end of high school and all of my friends were listening to it. It was like 1995, and as soon as that album came out, it like top charts three oh, months shoot, later. Huge, huge, exploded. Something like uh, 14 million copies in the United States. Uh, in '97, it was at 12 million. Yeah, and in '98, it was at 13 million. So it was massive. But to me, my music collection was more mixtapes. Now, let me explain a little bit. Up until about 2001, one, two, my father had a tape player in his truck. And um, every time we would go on vacation, we would take his truck because it fit more shit. We'd often go on hunting trips. We'd often go down to the States to see my sister. Um, so we were just stuck in vehicles that did not have CD players.
1: There's and- something so magical about that, dude.
0: Honestly. Well, Here's the thing. He had a whole bunch of mixtapes. And I talked to you about like a glove compartment full of tapes from like the best of the 50s, the best of the 60s, uh, the best of trucker music, country like ballads. Where Old it's just country talking. trucker songs. So, so we would take trips down to South Carolina, which is like a 20-something hour drive from here. And we'd be listening to that stuff nonstop. Sure. So I only really started having my own music collection when CDs came out and uh, I started
1: having my own CD player and it became a lot more portable. Yeah, dude, fair enough, man. You know, my parents had a few old mixtapes too, I remember. There was like Billy Idol songs on there. It was like a lot of more 80s stuff. Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, you know, maybe a couple Doors tracks, maybe a couple classic rock songs. Mm -hmm. Some John Mellencamp. My mom was big on John Mellencamp. I feel like in... Just for example... I put on Bon Jovi's song called Keep the Faith Today. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard the song in years. Song comes on, I start to remember all the lyrics. Like, I just remember the song. Like, even after I pushed pause on the song, I could, I know the lyrics. Then I feel like my memory kind of just unlocked and all this shit came back to me. Like, I I remember going to the show. I don't remember much about the show because I watched that Wembley Stadium show on VHS so much. In my head, that's (laughs) all I see. That's the one you saw, right? Although I do know that by heart. No, uh, the, I, I started thinking about, oh, I remember what t-shirt I bought after the concert. And I remember that I had bought that t-shirt for my friend at school that wasn't able to go to the show. And I brought him the t-shirt at lunch. I remembered where at school outside. I gave him the t-shirt. Like mm. all this stuff just came back to me. I hadn't thought about it probably since it happened. It's funny how music has that ability with me to kind of like really manipulate how I remember things and and what recollections I have. And what's so cool is now that I have already remembered it, now I'll remember it more. <laughs> you well, know, like I've thought about it and I've I've reflected and now we're talking about it. It's going to stick now. One of
0: the, uh, and it's funny that, that you say this because preparing for this podcast, I had the same thought. I had the Ninja Turtles soundtrack on tape. Yeah. And I know this isn't a soundtrack episode and I think we're going to do that in the future. Oh, it's coming. So I won't spoil too much of it, but... Just the fact that I had that soundtrack episode or that uh, that soundtrack cassette and I saw the movie and I saw this like live action puppetry downtown. I can't really explain to you what it is on this oh, episode. I, I've seen but something it was like with like Sesame
1: a, Street. Uh, I saw yeah. the Sesame
0: Street one as yeah, well. Yeah. But all the memories come back. I even remember running into a post while I was walking. No shit, eh? So, well,
1: Pain has a way to do that though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and just reflecting back on like my musical selection in this small little kit it has unlocked a lot of these memories including a lot of cons to video uh, to uh, to tapes
1: yeah there were there's a, like a lot of positive but yeah there's some drawbacks
0: most notably accidentally recording over the master when you were trying to dub
1: onto a blank tape. Oh, that. I've had some, like, screaming fits because of that.
0: When the tape's not yours, it's especially bad because I ruined someone's Mortal
1: Kombat son- soundtrack. Ooh, brutal. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. Okay, just jog my memory. Uh, something's coming back to me now. You know, at the like, on the top of the tapes, you can put, like, a little piece of... Uh, like, to you know, they had those two little holes. Yeah. You're able to block those little holes and then make any tape a recordable tape. Yes. Yeah, was so that it?
0: You break the tab.
1: Oh, there was a tab.
0: And then you can't record over the tape. Okay. So if the tab on the tape's broken, but generally yeah
1: all of the tapes, the tabs were not broken. No, the tabs were broken so that you can't record on them. But if you put tape, you can make any tape a recordable tape. I think that's the way it went. Anyway, 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 I'm all, <laughs> this, some, someone refresh our memory. So, please uh, email us at the dbth at gmail and and let us know what's going on. We're gonna do this the old school way. We're reaching out to our community on this one.
0: I re- I really can't remember because I mean I always bought blanks right. So me too. I that, had a and steady that, flow
1: of blanks. I that's used to one of the
0: the major pros. The, like the stacks of blank tapes I had. Was okay, like okay, but more the about the
1: cons, man. How aggravating it when a tape gets stuck in your tape player. You needed a pencil. Yeah. You needed
0: potentially a pair of tweezers and a very steady hand. And if you permanently damage a tape, it was it was finished. There was no, it's fixing, done. It, it's no done. fixing it. No fixing it. And when we were up north, we ran into that when we were. Yeah, Van
1: up. Halen went right into the machine. <laughs> the machine ate it, man. As oh, soon agree.
0: as soon as um the second track came on, uh you really got me. Yep. the tape just shat itself (laughs) and I I thought we had broken the tape player because um, it was really bad and we would have fucked
1: our mixtape because we were only about halfway through the resilient man, the cassette say what you want about the cassette it was a tough format Well, you don't need the case it was a case you can literally just put it down somewhere and it's not going to get scratched or fucked up potentially, it might but like a, you CD, much have to break a CD, A CD goes down on its backside. It's finished. It's scuffed. It's like, finished. Right Even away. on the other side, yeah. Like
0: Someone uses a coaster or something. <laughs>
1: yeah. How many CDs you use as a coaster? Man, how we used to treat
0: our music. Well, look, you remember tapes, right? One of the main benefits to those really long tapes was actually breaking them open, holding one side of the tape,
1: and throwing the other end out the car window. Yeah, there was a lot of fun times like that. You could attach it to stuff and. These kids aren't going to know about this. No, no. It's unfortunate. No, no. These kids are not going to know. Anyway, enough about the kids. Enough about cassettes. Honestly, I just want to say how fun this episode has been to kind of just relive. And just one more reason to keep doing this podcast. It's good for us, no? Oh, absolutely! It's, like it's just it's just nice to talk about these things.
0: A lot of the stuff that we reminisce on, and a lot of the the experiences we've had with music too, is it's just so nice to have a or a relook at it. You know, it brings back a lot of good memories, and I think that that's that's awesome.
1: Anyway, guys, we're gonna sign off here. Mock, you wanna tell them how to get in touch with us? As always, you can send us an email
0: thedbthguys at gmail or you can check us out on Facebook at thedbthguys.com. Uh, We're also on Spotify, we're on uh, iTunes podcast, uh, Google Play Music, pretty much everywhere. All over, spickle spackled all over the place. If you want to check us out on Instagram, uh, Dre constantly posts updates. Sometimes I get on there as well. The DBTH guy's
1: Instagram. It's that simple. And remember everybody,
0: make Make some some time time for for music.
1: music. It's fucking important. Mm